0: Hey y'all, welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. My name is Claire Coles, and this is your weekly update. It's Monday, August 21st. Let's start with what you missed over the last week, then we'll move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. We are back for another season. It is season three, so my third year of doing this podcast super exciting stuff. Also on that note, apologies for the no episode last week. Like I said, um, two weeks ago in my podcast, I definitely needed a break. And so I just went to Canada and got a break from the heat, which was absolutely amazing and necessary. So anyway, we are back to normally scheduled programming as of right now. So as always, we will start with baseball. On August 9th, so we are going back a little bit, we had another no-hitter. This is the fourth of the season. This time it was by the Phillies pitcher Michael Lorenzen. The Phillies now have had 14 no-hitters in their history, with this one being against the Nationals. They won 7-0 to with Lorenzen striking out 5, walking 4, and is now 2-0 and since being traded to this team at the deadline. He threw 124 pitches, which is the most of any player this year. During the same game, third baseman Weston Wilson hit his first home run in his first major league at bat ever. He had been in the minors for seven years before getting this shot, and it was a little bit eclipsed by the fact that Lorenzen then had a no-hitter, but I definitely wanted to be sure to mention it because talk about the most ideal start to your major league career ever and then also instead of going back and doing a lot of headlines that you guys don't even care about because it's been two weeks we're just going to do an update on the standings and then we'll continue next week as we move forward so in the standings in the American League the Orioles are at the top with 77 wins over the Rays followed by the two Texas teams the Rangers and the Astros all four of those teams are over 70 wins At the bottom of the American League, it's the A's with 34 wins and then the Royals with 40. Now the National League is a little bit more spread out as the Braves lead the league with 80 wins. The Dodgers sit in second with 76, and then no other team has 70 wins plus. So that's kind of why I was like it's spread out. The Rockies are at the bottom of this side of the league though, and they are sitting there at the bottom with 48. So the A's are at the bottom of the American League with 34, and yet the Rockies are at the bottom of the National League with 48 everyone else is above 50 wins. So like I said keeping baseball section short because it is moving on to football and it is week zero which means officially college football begins this Saturday. There are only seven games in action but hey it's something. Like I said we're actually beginning games and we actually have had our last Saturday with no college football thank goodness. So I wanted to also take this week to be like, if you're sitting there going, hey, Claire, I took the summer off of football. I literally don't pay attention from when the national championship happens to now. So what do I need to know? You know, I got you. So here are some of the major headlines that happened over the summer to kind of bring you up to speed and get you ready for this college football season. So first off, Northwestern fired their coach after, well, we don't really know exactly why he was fired. There was hazing allegations. He's a former player for Northwestern and then a coach. And so it is a huge deal. We went from kind of a slap on the wrist to full out firing. Lots of question marks there. But Northwestern is known to be one of the least sanctioned schools in the Power Five, So that's a big deal. There were also tons of transfers and tons of commits, so I'm not going to go through all those, but obviously that happened. The 2024 SEC and Big Ten schedules were released, and that was before, and these are like when we're going to start to see some conference realignment. Obviously, this year, the Big 12, we've added some people, um, but next year we get to see OU and Texas join the SEC as well as USC and UCLA to the Big Ten. So those schedules were released. We also have some rule changes. College football is going to the NFL model where we will no longer have stoppage of the clock. So the clock won't stop. It'll keep running after first downs. In college, usually if you're moving the chains, so you've got a first down and you move the The markers, they usually stop the clock until the markers are reset. That will no longer take place until the last two minutes of each half. That is exactly the same as NFL rules. This should cut games by and on both extremes of the spectrum, 7 to 15 plays. Depending on your team, obviously, if you're a huge running team, that's going to cut less plays. But if you're a big throwing team, it's going to cut more plays supposedly it's going to take off about 20 minutes of the game times, which we've been going into some really long time periods. So that's kind of the idea there. Then we also had crazy conference realignment. As of August 15th, you had to declare whether you were going to leave your conference. And so we had some craziness. San Diego State wanted to leave the Mountain West for the Pac-12, but the Pac-12 didn't have their stuff together. And that Failed. The Pac-12 also have not re-signed their TV deal, so that led to a lot of other craziness, and the Pac-12 is now the Pac-4, as Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah departed the Pac-12 for the Big 12, and then Oregon and Washington left for the Big 10. All of these changes will take place next year, so ignore the Big 10 schedule, as they will now have 18 teams to consider instead of their original amount. So that's kind of getting you ready for college football season as we approach week zero. Then we also, moving on to kind of NFL side, we had a scary moment on the football field less than a year after DeMar Hamlin's heart-stopping hit as well. Patriots rookie cornerback Isaiah Bolden got hit and then was carted off the field, like literally was hit and just motionless on the field. He did, he did end up having feeling in his extremities and was released from the hospital on Sunday, but the game was suspended after the hit. It did happen in the fourth quarter and practices are still postponed as of today. No official word on what his injury is. It's rumored to at least be a concussion, but we don't actually know. So we don't know if it was a heart issue. We don't know if it was some kind of spinal, like uh, kind of shock or anything like that or a stinger. Um, But we did actually see another game canceled. And then kind of going back a little bit to college football, because this was breaking as of today, Michigan has self-imposed a three-game ban on head coach Harbaugh for violations that were committed during the COVID dead period. And really what the whole understanding, or at least what I understand from this is, is that he kind of hid it and lied about it. And so that's why he's kind of being reprimanded afterwards um, or this late. So this is basically Michigan's way of saying, hey, we're willing to play ball NCAA in hopes of minimizing the punishment when the NCAA actually does get to look at this case, which will likely be months from now. So, these, and just to put this in perspective, the three games that Harbaugh will be missing are um, literally, you know, it's bad when an ESPN announce and analyst says they're cupcake games. And yeah, they're easy. Michigan is favored by 21 points in all three games. So, not a huge deal that he's going to miss those. And it doesn't look like he'll be reprimanded this season. Moving along to golf, as we have reached playoffs while I was gone. So, world number one, we're going to kind of go backwards. So, we're going to start with the one that just happened. World number one, Scotty Scheffler and Matt Fitzpatrick were at the top of what was a two man race at the BMW Championship, which is the second FedEx Cup playoff of it. But Victor Hovland had something to say about that. He broke the course record and had his lowest round ever of his entire career with a 61-9 under. The previous mark and like course record was 62, which had happened the last two days by Max Homa and Sam Burns. Basically, we had a lot of rain, so the course played a little bit easier than expected. And then, so it was Hall Hovland all the way after that, just truly put on a clinic on Sunday. Putting continued to be the story for Scheffler, though, who missed a six foot putt and then got a bogey on 17, also due to poor putting. He gave up his lead. Hovland then won the event by two. However, Scotty placed high enough to keep the top spot in the FedEx Cup playoffs, giving him a two shot advantage over the field going into next week's tour championship. The tour is only the tour championship is only the top thirty players in the FedEx Cup rankings, so which is the finale of the season. And uh, Matt Fitzpatrick was the only golfer sitting outside the top thirty to make his way inside the top thirty to get a spot at the tour championship. And I don't usually go backwards, but I am going to go back just because we did start the playoffs at the FedEx St. Jude Championship, which was two weeks ago. That is the first playoff. And I don't want to cover it a ton, but it was pretty remarkable as Lucas Glover won the final event of the regular season. If you remember, that was the last time we did a podcast. That was the Wyndham Championship. That was to get into the FedEx Cup playoffs. And then he went back to back winning the FedEx Championship, too. And he won in a playoff fashion, which is fitting as it is the first playoff event over Patty Ice, Patrick Cantlay. Cantlay carded a birdie on the playoff hole where Glover took it with par. So pretty crazy to go back to back to end the season to go, to basically have a killer end of the season for Glover. And then also announced today was the auto qualifiers for the Ryder Cup have been announced for Team USA only, and they are Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, Xander Schauffele, Max Homa, Patrick Cantlay, and Brian Harmon. Zach Johnson, who is the team captain, will announce his captain's picks on the 29th. The Ryder Cup will take place September 29th through October 1st in Rome. And then we do have a lot of Olympic sports to go over because, you know, this is why you listen to this podcast. I'm totally kidding because it is track and field world championships. So, you know, I got it covered and I got it covered real good. So uh, to start day one, the Netherlands had gold in hand twice on day one but fell short literally fell as in two of their runners actually tripped and fell so in the 10 in the women's 10k hassan was trying to do the 1500 meter 5k and 10k triple and she got tripped up in the last 40 meters then in the 4x400 mixed relay so you go actually man woman man woman the netherlands was in the lead and had their best runner up in Fem cabal she is a 400 meter hurdler And she tripped literally three steps before the line and dropped the baton. The baton literally went like flying out of her hands. So United States actually wins gold with that trip and set a new world record in that event. Ryan Krauser competed with two blood clots in his leg and still won the men's shot put for the United States. He threw the second furthest mark of all time, only second to his own world record. USA Joe Kovacs got third as well. Another UT athlete, Ryan Krauser is a UT athlete and an American, and another UT American athlete also placed. Tara Davis Woodall got silver in the women's long jump. She is truly, and this is coming from a Sooner, y'all, so she is truly just a personality and just super positive. Um, She got married to a Paralympian as well, so absolutely phenomenal that she did well in her world championships. And then we had the final of the men's 100 meter and the reigning world champ was American Fred Curley, who went down from the 400 meters, won the 100 in last, um, in the last world. It was absolutely crazy, but he was out in semifinals after a slow start. Literally, you could see the confusion on his face, but we were still well represented in the final with United States, Noah Lyles, who's mainly known for his 200 meter race. And the 2019 world champ also American Christian Coleman Lyles though he came in wanting to be a 100 meter guy and he took it so he didn't look as good as he did in the semis but he did manage to win the entire 100 meter race with a season's best and then Botswana's Tabogo got silver and this is Africa's First medal in the 100 meters. So Lyles, like I said, Lyles is known for the 200, which he will be competing in later in the championships as well. And then today we had the men's 110-meter hurdles. Grant Holloway achieved the three-peat, taking another world title. And frankly, it was not close. He was in control the entire time. And so now he just needs Olympic gold as Jamaican Parchment took that in Tokyo. And then he got silver in this race. We also had American finish third in Roberts, which was amazing and kind of a surprise, actually, there. And then we also had the women's 100 meter final today and Ivory Coast to and St. Lucia's Alfred had literally not lost a hundred meter race all year, literally in the calendar year of 2023. And then it didn't matter. For the first time since 2017, the United States takes home the title with Shakari Richardson. And she did it from lane nine and came from behind. It literally didn't look like she was going to win. It looked like Sharika Jackson of Jamaica was going to win. She ended up getting silver and Shakiri came back from behind. She is the First person to qualify by time and not by place to then go on to win gold. Because if you're in semis, there's three semis. It was you take the top two finishers from each semi and then the next fastest two qualifiers. She literally got third in her heat and then came back to win the entire thing. It was absolutely crazy. No American is on the podium so far in the men's and women's 10K, men's hammer, men's discus, and the men's triple jump. And then we do have a little bit of soccer news as we finished the Women's World Cup. And Spain became the fifth country to win a Women's World Cup after beating England on Sunday with a thrilling score of 1-0. to The lone goal came in the 29th minute by Olga Carmona. And what's even more of a tearjerker is Carmona's father actually passed away just hours after she scored that goal. And she found out after the entire game ended. The only countries to win a women's World Cup currently are the United States, Norway, Germany, Japan, and now Spain. Each player for Spain gets a payday of two hundred and seventy thousand dollars for taking first place. Spain had to go through Switzerland, which they beat five to one. The Netherlands, they beat two to one in extra time Sweden which they beat two to one and England where they beat them one to zero the game versus Sweden which was a semifinal was tied until again Carmona scored in the 89th minute the host nation did well falling to England in their semifinal it was Australia and then Sweden ended up getting third so they did beat Australia in that third place match And then also just a little bit of news is the actual the Football Association chief from Spain kissed a player on the mouth during the trophy presentation and it definitely caused some hoopla. He had to apologize. It was a whole a whole thing. That wraps up what happened over the last week. Now let's go over what to watch this upcoming week. And as always, we start with baseball on Monday. Tonight, Mariners at the White Sox at 710 on Fox Sports 1. Tuesday, catch the Red Sox at the Astros at 710 on TBS. Thursday, the Reds play the Diamondbacks at 840 on Fox Sports 1. Friday, you can catch a couple of games on Apple TV. And then Saturday, we actually start the day with the Little League World Series International Championship. That will be at 1130 a.m. on ABC, followed by the United States Championship at 230. Also, on ABC then we go back to the MLB the Braves put the Giants at 305 on Fox Sports 1 you'll have an option of three games depending on your geographical location for 615 that night on Fox either the Cardinals at the Phillies the Rangers at the Twins or the Cubs at the Pirates and then on Sunday the Angels play the Mets at 1105 on Peacock and the Braves take on the Giants at 6 on ESPN A little bit of basketball on TV. If you see it, I don't want you to be confused. So on Saturday, the Big 3 Celebrity Game will be played at 11 a.m. on CBS, followed by a Big 3 Championship and All-Star Game at noon, also on CBS. Like I said earlier at the beginning of the podcast, it is week zero for college football. So this will be the only week that I'll read out every game being played because, again, we only have seven. So on Saturday, you can catch Navy playing number 13 Notre Dame at one thirty on NBC. UTEP will take on Jacksonville State at 4.30 on CBS SN. UMass takes on New Mexico State at 6 on ESPN. Ohio takes on San Diego State at 6 on Fox Sports 1. San Jose State plays number 6 U.S. USC at seven, but only on the Pac-12 network. And then Florida International plays LaTeX at eight on CBS Sports Network. And again, that is all week zero. Moving on to the NFL, and I'm only going to highlight the games because these are, again, these are all preseason, so they don't actually matter, and they, um, so I'm only going to tell you what is on mainstream TV. Monday, tonight, the Ravens at the Commanders at 7 on ESPN. Thursday, catch the Colts at the Eagles at 7 on Prime Video. Friday, you can catch the Lions at the Panthers at 7 on CBS. And then I think the rest of the games are on NFL until Sunday. And then you can catch the Texans at the Saints at 7 p.m. on Fox. The PGA Tour ends at the Tour Championship in Atlanta. And that begins on Thursday, round one at one on Golf Channel, followed by round two on Friday. And then round three will be on Saturday. Again, it starts at one on Golf Channel and then moves over to CBS at two Sunday, you can catch the final round of the Tour Championship at, at noon on Golf Channel, and then it moves over to CBS at 12.30. Also, this Sunday, we've got the Formula One Dutch GP. They will race at 8 a.m. on ESPN. We have a lot of Olympic sports going on this week as we've obviously got world championships for track and field. So Tuesday, World Championships day four at eleven thirty on USA. Day five is on Wednesday. That will be at three AM on USA and then twelve thirty on USA. So we've got basically a morning session and an evening session. Most of the morning sessions should be prelims, they call it the rounds and semis, and then you'll have um If it's a short event, like the 100-meter, we have the semis in the same night as the final, and you'll end with that final. So that'll be in the evening session. Day six will be Thursday at noon on USA. Day seven will be Friday at 1230 on USA. Then on Saturday we get some gymnastics and as U.S. Nationals starts. So men's day one can be viewed at nine thirty on CB on CNBC. Women's day one at three thirty, and then men's day two actually begins at six on CNBC. All of that is CNBC. Sunday though, the U.S. Nationals men's day two will also be at eleven a.m. on NBC. And then the Women's Day 2 at 6 on NBC. And then the highlights of the World Championships for Track and Field will be also on NBC at noon. So a full slate of Olympic sports on Sunday on NBC if you want to watch and get some good Olympic content. That wraps it up for me. Again, thanks for the break and ready for Season 3 as we begin college football this week. I cannot be more excited. You know I live for college football with track and field world championships on to it is a great sports time no offense to baseball season but i am so ready to get rolling you know i got y'all covered check out the blog the girlfriend's guide to sports for more and i'll catch y'all next week